Welcome to Songs and Stories, the not-for-musicians-only music podcast. Well, all righty. Welcome once again to Songs and Stories, everybody. I'm Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories episode number 99. Yes, the last two-digit episode of Songs and Stories, and we'll talk about the big triple-digit episode after the interview in this uh, particular episode. I guess I'll file today's interview uh, as, like I do many of these, cool people you meet along the way. I've yammered a lot about how, you know, I love writing and playing and performing, but really just the friends I've made along the way and the cool, inspiring people I've met are really the dividend of this whole musical endeavor. Uh, Today, we have a couple of good cases in point. Before that, I want to give you a recap or a forward look at what I'm going to be doing the next week or so in case you're in any of these areas. Uh, this week is my December open mic at the Wooden Nickel in Watsonville, California, and that's on my webpage at michaelgather.com slash shows. Uh, the following night, I'm heading up to Redding, California, Northern California, and I'm happy and humbled to be invited along to play at a, a benefit memorial tribute for the late, great, you know, God we miss him, Chuck McCabe, a uh, local songwriter who was kind of an icon and kind of a mentor and a friend to a, a lot of people, including me. And um, he passed away in July, and, and we, we miss him. And they're going to do, because Chuck had a great following in Reading, I've been invited along to play along with Steve Kritzer and Jay Howlett and Rolf Wire, uh, Dennis McGregor, and some other folks who I'm forgetting. It's basically just a kind of a memorial tribute concert, but all the funds raised from this are going to uh, Chuck's widow, Cindy. And that's actually going to be December 4th in Redding, California. So if you're in Redding or know anybody, please send them up there. It's a great, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a great way to acknowledge somebody who was special to a lot of people. And it's a fundraiser for a very good cause. Um, and then that Sunday coming back, my area in Coralitas, California on the 5th, I'm going back in hosting mode and uh, hosting uh, Dan Kai and Steve Acello, two amazing local musicians and great guys, are playing uh, our little series out of the Corlitas Cultural Center. And all that information is on my page at michaelgaither.com slash shows. So if you're in, in Watsonville, Corlitas, or Reading, or know anybody, send them our way. I liked it. It's a nice, going to be a nice week of playing and also presenting other people. So speaking of presenting other people, the couple we're going to interview today are Lori Jennings and Dana Keller, who I almost met a couple of years ago. They're they're based in Miami, near Miami, Florida, and they were coming out. And their promoter at the time was trying to hook up a cobill with me and my band. And it was, I f- even forget what happened, but it didn't work out. And I felt bad because they seemed like nice folks. I liked their music, and we just never got a chance to meet. And then you'll find, I guess, in any any areas of common interest, you'll find that everybody knows everybody. So it turns out that uh, Dana and Lori were good friends with Jay Hallett and Chuck McCabe. So I figured any friend of Jay and Chuck's, I wanted to meet him anyway, but now I really wanted to meet him. And they were out this last summer. And um, I got a chance to meet him, hang out with him a little bit. And um, they actually came along and played our Corlita series one night. They did a little guest set. And if you go to my page at michaelgaither.com, uh, the entry for Songs and Stories 99 has a YouTube video of that night of them playing a song called Sandy, which I really liked. So you can see what they look like and sound like. But um, really just nice people, liked what they did, great, interesting backgrounds. Um, Lori was trained in theater up in New York. She ran a venue in Florida later on for a while. And Dana is uh, an amazing still guitar and dobro player. In fact, he's played with people like I'm reading off their website. Dana's played with Ricky Skaggs, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, Dave Mason, Vince Gill, and the Allman Brothers. And there's a whole long list. Basically, he's really good. And Lori's a great singer, songwriter, and together they make this duo, Jennings and Keller, and they just do some amazing music. So... We're going to talk to them in a little bit, and I was really grateful to be able to finally meet them last summer, and they're going to come out uh, this next summer and, and hang out, I think, for an extended period of time. So I'm looking forward to seeing them. Uh, you can find all about them at JenningsandKeller.com. You can also go to MichaelGaither.com and look for Songs and Stories 99. 
In fact, uh, speaking of my podcast too, I've just put up a archive page. So if you go to my site and click on podcast, there's a list of all the podcasts I've been doing since 2007. Laurie and Dana will be up there as well as on the main page. So I think I've yammered enough. I want you to hear these people. So what we're going to do is hear a couple of things off their latest record, which is called, as I nonchalantly click over to their web page, uh, their latest release is called As the Universe Unfolds. And let's hear a couple of things off of that. Let's hear a little bit of a beautiful song that Dana kind of takes the lead vocal on and does some really nice dober work on called Nevermind. Nevermind, M-I-N-E. And then we'll listen to, because you know I love Critter songs, Gator Shine. And I, I, I've known people in Florida. My pastor's from Florida, actually, at our church. And Dana and, and, and Lori are from Florida as well. And apparently it's not an unusual pastime in Florida to go out and look for alligators. You know, shine flashlights and look for alligators. And, and I think these people are nuts, but I guess every state has their little quirks. And you know, I wouldn't go spook at alligators at night, but who am I to judge? So let's hear a little bit of Nevermind, Gator Shine, and then we'll talk to Lori and Dana. Maybe something I said was just a little bit out of line. And maybe it was all in your head and we had a little too much wine. Trouble. Feeling like this is it never seemed to go away And double Cause the memories you miss keep coming back every day But never mind Cause you'll never mind Never mind that you never mind No listening you don't typically live in a trailer park in Morgan Hill no you're a long way from home and that tractor is really noisy grass doesn't need to be mowed either that's just something it's, that it's dead the grass is all brown 
So no, we live down in uh, outside of Homestead, Florida. And this is your second time out here? Yeah. 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 And did you play all the way out here or how pretty much. Good. Um we you know, we did you can pretty Florida being not quite as big as California, you can if you know people, you can string a few dates on your way out. Travel dates, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then we strung a few dates together in Texas, about four or five. Okay. Finishing up in El Paso, where then you head into um, New Mexico. And we had something canceled in New Mexico, but then we did some dates in Arizona and then came into Southern California and uh -huh. worked our way up. Okay. And then headed up into Oregon and back down. Right. And we'll be here for another couple of weeks before we head out to Utah. Utah, that's our next spot. So logistically, this is a, someone who travels way more than I do. How long, how long in advance do you start booking? It's all different. It's like I'll you bet. get a few. Somebody last November. And a, and, a, and a side question is, do you like... Pick a, did you pick summer in California because of more availability or just because of easier to travel in? Or? It was certain dates open up house concerts. We did right. a few of those. Yeah. And so then you said, well, if we're going you know, we, to we're gonna be down there to start, let's not go back up and then come back down and go back up. It's just, you know, yeah. everything we make goes right into the gas tank. tank. Yep. Um, and Dana knows people down in Southern California. Uh -huh. um, a guy in Orange County who is the guitar doctor. He's just uh -huh. called Doc. Uh -huh. And he uh, did some work on our guitars that we parked right outside of his store and plugged in and hung out with them. And yeah. They build guitars too, so it was a real nice time there. We had a few okay. libraries down there. We had uh, nice. Corona and... Um, Elisa uh, Viejo. Elisa Viejo and then a couple more all in that area. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's so jam packed with people in all those little tiny towns, all all in these counties. Mm -hmm. It's it's massive. So for libraries, were you playing to kids and kind of targeting that, or were you just kind of playing your typical set of music, or did it depend on the on who's it depended. there? Corona ended up being all children, uh -huh. and we didn't expect children, so mm -hmm. we don't really do children's stuff. But what right. we ended up doing was some old tunes. And some Beatles tunes, like we do an old Hank Williams or an old mm. Woody Guthrie, and then maybe throw in some Beatles, all high energy stuff. And the kids all started clapping and dancing good. and playing imaginary instruments. And yeah. So you get them all. Like, they're all engaged, they're having a good time. Yeah, they're having a good time. But in other. So you don't have to play hokey pokey to entertain the kids. No, you don't. Okay. Yeah. With, with some of them, some of the shows we did, Dana would end up giving a whole history lesson on the Dobro. Nice. You know, yeah. on the resonator guitar and where uh -huh. the name came from and all that. We might. Um, explain what we do the songwriting process depending uh -huh. on the audience um, or sometimes we go into some instrumental stuff he does some Chet Atkins stuff and talk about that and uh, with older audiences they really get oh, into I'll that oh I bet so you just totally just sit to your pants whoever yeah. who was there and whatever worked yeah. you know, and, and you've got a lot of crayons to pull from so it's good yeah, the whole idea is if you, you oh, you want to hear something by the Carter family fine you want to hear what our stuff fine we can right. do that mix it up so yeah. So but those those were nice gigs. Yeah, because it's a really nice setting. Mm -hmm. Everyone's really listening. Yeah, um, they pay well. <laughs> also good. I, I think libraries are kind of stealthy because people don't really think about that. Yeah. And I, the thing they is, do now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's based watch on budget. Our, watch our schedule, and there's people following in our footsteps now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then artists look at other artists. And, oh, I hadn't mm -hmm. thought about mm -hmm. playing there. Everybody does. Cause you, you kind of have to. Well, yeah. I, you know. I believe people have been so kind and, and generous to us. The artists, it, it should be inclusive. It should not be exclusive. Right. And in the entertainment business, there's so much exclusivity, and I don't think that that doesn't help anybody. Uh -uh. It should be inclusive. And, right. Um, I know there's always going to be people out there that you know kind of want to have a sort of a turfy about it yes yeah but that's my new word for the guest turfy that's turfy. a good word yeah, turfy about <laughs> it. <laughs> i won't tell you the context but it came up in a conversation with somebody we know earlier anyway yeah. you know and so i just said okay the people that are going to be turfy about it fine they go do their thing but right. uh especially out here we have met the kindest people who are, have done so much for us yeah and i feel like that's I want to do the same thing as much as I can to Yeah, that's that the idea. Well, I think we had this, this email conversation yesterday, but, you know, with the interviews and then, like, putting on these shows, and I'm, I've always tried to, like, help other people along. I figure either it comes back, and if it doesn't, you meet nice people along the yeah. way anyway, so why not? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think there's enough room for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And the only way to keep this kind... I mean, 
nobody's getting real rich at this. Right. So right. it's not about the money, right. but it's about community and it's about uh, uh, expanding that community. Mm -hmm. And everybody benefits because the audience is the cross pollination of yep. all the different artists with all the new audiences. Mm -hmm. Everybody benefits. Well, like People. our friend Alan, who was at the show on Sunday, he's putting on house concerts now because oh, he got great. into it, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, just and then I've always kind of liked finding places where there wasn't, was like, well, I could put on a show here. And that's, I've always kind of liked to do I mean, no one's getting rich doing it, but, you know, I always look at, there's there's certain venues that locally here where you look in that hill, where you, you play and you've got to bring in 30, 40 people, and, and I can do it, and it's just a boatload of work. It's a boatload of work. Or you can put on your own show, do your best, and the pressure's not there, and then, you know, so you can always find a place to, and then you share it with other people. And, yeah. You know, so. uh, after we closed the, the cafe closed down back at Homestead, right. there were four or five people that, uh, jumped on the house concert bandwagon mm -hmm. and a few only want to do two or three a year yeah, yeah others say i can think i can make this a monthly right. series others just you know i'll call them up if i know someone's coming into town and say because i don't have a i don't have right. a place where i can do right. it but they i say let's put this together get me at least 20 people we'll work mm -hmm. you know we'll make it happen yeah. i've got an email list you've got an email list let's make it happen yeah. that's that's kind of how this thing in, in Corlitas came out because my wife and I were talking about doing an occasional house concert because there's people that come through we like and yeah. but then we found this gallery and they wanted to do music perfect they don't got to move my furniture it's a so, great space yeah so it kind of took the place of trying to do our own house concerts mm -hmm. so I'm kind of alternating between bringing in people and doing shows myself and like on Sunday mixing it up with the songwriters and yeah yeah so the venue the main how long did you run your venue in Florida about eight and a half years. That's a long time. It was a long time. And was it open mainly? Is it was, it, was the idea to, to put on music when you opened it? Yes. Yeah. And it, it, a lot of it it came about because the buildings were purchased after Hurricane Andrew, and there was a lot of grant money because the town had been just devastated. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of grant money to, okay. to do bring some the rebuilding. Town yeah. And so my partners and I we did the investment and. Um, I actually was not going to be involved with it initially, but there was a, someone, someone got very sick, so I was called in, because I was running uh, other businesses at the time mm -hmm. and doing some music and all that. And so I came in, and we started just doing shows once a week, mm -hmm. and then as we got more grant money, we built the stage, mm -hmm. we put in a big sound system. Mm -hmm. We made it almost like a real dinner theater. Nice. And um, we... Uh, it, it, I know now that it was it it was one of the best clubs of its sort in the country. Mm -hmm. People kept telling me that, but until mm. I toured the country and found out, I said, "Yeah, it's one of the." It yeah. was. <laughs> I played some real <coughs> holes, you know, and yeah, yeah. You know, but we, it was a place for musicians run by musicians, right? right. And uh, who knew how who musicians who knew how to run a business? Yeah, well, no, no, yeah, no, there was it, okay. There were some difficulties, yeah. but. Um, we, I mean, people, we had great acts coming through. Mm. People like Janice Ian came in wow. there. John Hammond, Fred Eaglesmith, as well as up-and-coming singer-songwriters that, mm -hmm. you know, you'd meet for the first time, and then they were going on, and they were getting their name out. And, um, that's where I met Dana. Mm. Dana came in as a mm -hmm. sideband playing pedal steel mm -hmm. with another songwriter, and uh, mm. we started playing music together. Nice. But it was a great club. It was very difficult in the town because the town is very conservative and kind of financially depressed yeah, yeah. And kind of um, resistant to change. Uh -huh. so. Were they open to music? Was Not what we were doing. Right, I was going to say, if they're conservative and that kind of doesn't always go, sometimes it goes together, not always. Not yeah. always yeah. We were, I mean, we were bringing in singer-songwriters from all over the country. Uh -huh. um, we had about two or three shows a week at one point. That's we a lot had of work. Open mic. It was a lot of work. Yeah. It was a lot of work. And, you know, there's just six days a week, and a lot of times the dishwasher wouldn't be there, so I'm washing dishes. There were times when I'd be on stage, leave the stage, and go make someone a cappuccino, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then come back on the stage. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was a real, it was really tough when it closed, because, yeah, we, you know, lost all our money, but it was a really great experience. I'll bet. It taught me so much. Well, you learned from a lot of artists. You got, and did you have time for your own music during that time, or was yes. it? Oh, you did have time. Yeah, I was working on it because um, I was playing in a little uh, rock band, and uh, we were doing pretty much. It was very eclectic. We were doing our own material. We were doing folk music, country, blues, rock. 
we mixed it all up. Uh -huh. You know, we'd have electric guitar and mandolin, and then Dana brought in the pedal steel, and we were all playing and having a really fun time yeah. at that. And uh, we actually started playing there because we couldn't afford initially to pay anyone. <laughs> and then we got able to pay people because I really wanted to pay people. Yeah, when it came yeah, to that's good. Really, really believed in that. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Yes, and um, you know, and then of course, just like anybody else doing it, you know, you start getting the emails, and you start getting the packages word gets sent out. to you, and word gets out, and uh, we we were it was kind of exciting. It was really neat to get someone like Cheryl Wheeler to play there. Yeah, and, in your place. Yeah, you know, Dave Carter and Tracy Graham. Oh, God and, bless Dave Carter. Oh, yeah, just yeah. It was just magical. Some of, some of the acts we had, Rory Block. You know. Wow people that were just so amazing uh -huh. you know, and to think well they, they came here they played in my place yeah, yeah. and they, they had a good time you know, <laughs> we fed them well yeah we fed them well because we had good food soups and stuff so mm -hmm. really good food nice so it was very very sad and just depressing when it when it closed so I just put all my energy Dana and I were playing in a country band the band wasn't really going anywhere because it's mm -hmm. very tough to get sick people to agree on tour dates and yeah. everything else and other people some of the people have other jobs and it's really tough so well it's hard enough just to experience I, I had it locally getting a band with you know you know 18 phone calls and 25 emails and oh, yeah. but I can imagine adding touring on top of that on to yeah well so we just said well let's do this thing together yeah. he, we were playing so much together and I the dobro is one of my all-time favorite instruments uh -huh. if you happen to play it <laughs> um, and so as soon as the cafe closed, we just worked on our first CD together, and that was after we put that out in 2007. We submitted to a bunch of festivals, and we um, got into some for songwriting. Mm -hmm. And so we said, okay, now we're going to start this. And uh, then we just kept going with that. And then uh, got the motor home. Mm -hmm. And um, then last year was our first year coming all the way across the country. We've gone up and down the East Coast a yeah, few times. Yeah. And uh, now we, we really love the, the west side, the west part of the country. We a lot of it. places to play. Oh, yeah. And a lot of nice people. Really nice yeah. people. You know, um, we haven't made big inroads into New England. We mm -hmm. went up there for a few festivals, but it's, you know, Boston, that area is so saturated with singers oh, I'll, I'll bet, yeah. Many, many good ones. Yeah. Um, it's probably kind of like playing, I'll stop by Austin and find a gig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We I think we played outside of Austin. We did a uh, what is it? A church there. And, uh, I think uh, also an art center mm -hmm. out there. Yeah. yeah, artsy places and music actually I found go well together too. Yes, they do. Yeah, you get the right crowd. It's a nice space. But how yeah. do you, for instance, you had a good crowd there for Sunday night? Yeah, and we did. Do you have to do a lot of emailing or? putting posters out or are you making you know for me for the people listening there, there's this art gallery in Corlitas and this is that was our third concert on Sunday we've done, done one a month one a month okay and I've tried flyers and you know for the last three for these three shows I don't think flyers really work at least locally but I've got a pretty good email list and people I think hopefully know that I run an open mic and now I'm doing this which is sort of a step up it's you know this is more like a show and um, it's you know it's my mailing list and our friend Marky also reminds people and we we actually share like a lot of people so I think yeah. they get my one newsletter and then they get reminded by Marky and that's pretty much it and then you know I'll personally nag like my neighbor that came on Sunday I'll, I took him a flyer he goes oh cool I want to go because he wants to go yeah. he doesn't do email so I know he'll probably go okay so it's you know it's nice because I'm not I don't feel like I'm I'm dragging people there like in a bigger show where you're kind of you're kind of pressured to to get the crowd. It's just sort of people that I know want to go. Yeah. So yeah. one newsletter, maybe some specific email reminders for people I think might be interested. That's pretty much all I'm doing. Yeah. You know. It's working. Yeah. That's great. I don't maybe like I did KZSC radio on, up at the university on Sunday, so I did. I played in church, went to UCSC, came back, took a, you know, you know, it's a busy day. <laughs> yeah, that's a busy day. Yeah. So there, no, it's it's kind of building on its own, I think, but there's some effort behind it. And the art gallery probably has a mailing list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're advertising it too. Yeah, that's good. And then, yeah, and then, and sometimes maybe where they're not actually, I mean, I don't know what their expenses are. When it becomes a for-profit, especially a restaurant, nightclub, mm -hmm. there's so much overhead yeah. that it, it, that's what we found was so difficult to deal with. Mm. And, um, 
I love the idea of putting on concerts, but I think when I'm back in Florida, it's just going to be probably house concerts. Mm -hmm. I'll help other people out. Right, because, right, right. You know, it's, it's a huge amount of work and very costly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and just the prep and the time, and it's it's really not just it's not really not just putting two chairs together, and inviting people in. There's a lot of planning, and you know, it's, and it's like any kind of show, whether it's doing a band or inviting an artist to play, you've got to make sure that their dates line up, and make sure that they that they know what to expect to pop probably get, so no one's disappointed or surprised. Right. You know all that stuff. All that yeah. stuff. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, so when we go back to Florida, we've got we've actually got dates lined up through 2011. Nice. But then you have to fill it all in. You have to make it so yeah. wherever you're going, if some, you've got this one date, say in you know, way over Virginia, here, yeah. Well, you got to get stuff there and get you know all the rest of it. So that's we're gonna play along the way to make some gas money and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right. So you've been you two have been playing together for f how many years? We met in 2005. Uh huh. We started the recordings in 2006, did our first CD in 2007, yeah. and that's when we, we got the motorhome in 2007. Yeah. And then we did our second CD in 2009, and we're going to try for a third in 2000, like every other year. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's a good pattern. That's kind of what I'm shooting for, too, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's another thing out here. To, yeah. Uh, it also helps when we let people know where we're going because Dana's pedal steel expertise. We get he gets recording work. Oh, nice! Texas, yeah, I'll bet. California, yeah. Kentucky. We were up there. As long as they know you're coming. Yeah. Because you can't show up, say hi, I'm here. Let's do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can imagine. Yeah. And you see, so play dobro, pedal steel. What are your What are your main instruments? I'd say pedal steel's probably been my main instrument. Uh -huh. and then Dobro, just because it's portable and it's easier to use with a sort of a small environment. Like when Jason says, get up here and play, you can just, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas pedal steel, it requires a little more work. Yeah. And it's a big sound, and it's kind of can be overpowering when you just have a maybe a singer or a, one other guitar. Pedal steel is too big. Yeah, I can see that. It's, it's more of a band a, instrument. Yeah, it's a great accompaniment instrument. Probably yeah, beautiful. One, one of the best accompaniment instruments, but it's not real good solo or even as just a single backup instrument. Uh -huh. It just it's it's either all or nothing kind of thing. Yeah, because I'm kind of starting to envision like songs for the next CD and what sounds I want, and I was a couple of things I thought. Might sound nice with pedal steel, but maybe for what I'm doing, which is going to be more sparse, maybe I just want a dobro on it yeah. to get the same kind of effect, but not be so overpowering. Usually, I'll I'll put pedal steel down first, and then put dobro down as a secondary track in case they decide they don't want to use the pedal steel because oh, it's smart, yeah, because it's too big. Right. Sometimes it's just you know it sounds too produced sometimes, and you start putting too many mm -hmm. electric instruments on. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So let's see. So what? So you're. Um, I have more questions. I can edit out this blank spot. <laughs> it's been a long day. Uh, what else should we talk about? What else should we talk about? Well, how about uh, your songwriting process? Well, That's always I, a nice one. I, you know, I, I guess the thing. Are you the type that just writes everything down and waits for inspiration, or you just, or do you write every day regardless? I wish I did. No. Or do you just kind of months go by sometimes? It's like, oh crap, I have to write a song. Is it yes. all like that? Okay. And we even uh, got a portable recorder similar to that. Yeah. Thinking we would do this on the road, but it's, it's so overwhelming. Yeah. Just keeping this rig together, finding where we're going to stay, getting where we're going to go next. Well, like today, you could have. The songwriting process is pretty much. You know, sidelined. Yeah. In this particular That's phase common. of the well, like today, you could have written a song, or you could have replaced the motor in your AC, like yeah. you had yeah. to do, which, well, we which is more important. You know? Right. Well, I, and I mean, my background is in theater. I spent oh, nine years in New York. Yeah. I went to yeah. the, the National Shakespeare Conservatory, mm -hmm. and I, my, as a child, all the way through, I was in plays and musicals, and you think about it, you're memorizing other people's words. Uh huh. Whether it's William Shakespeare or Tennessee Williams or Rodgers and Hammerstein, yeah. whatever. So then to make that shift, it took a while. I mean, I started writing poetry, but um, when I first was playing guitar and singing, I was only doing other people's stuff. Mm -hmm. And the cafe, which was such a gift in a way, because 
hundreds and hundreds of singer-songwriters came through. Mm -hmm. And I'm hearing them tell their story. And I'm hearing the songs. Mm -hmm. And night after night, I'm listening. And then, of course, I got all these CDs. Yeah. And I'm listening to the best songwriters in the country, many of whom are not going to ever be on, you know, clear channel radio. Right. But, you know, right. some who have, have had their songs recorded by big artists. But I'm just hearing their process. And I think it just started inspiring more me more and more to just, I had to get my own voice mm -hmm. and uh, make my own statement. So know? let me see if I can do this too. Yeah, and it was just kind of, just sort of an extension of playing more, experimenting more, writing down, getting ideas. Um, I get ideas, they just, you know, so I, nowadays I keep a pad and paper because I will dream a song mm -hmm. and I wake up and I gotta get something down. And yeah. the Zoom is in, you know, I have a little tape player at home and I play it and sing ideas into it and sometimes an idea will start and just be kind of brewing about you probably have this too uh -huh. or brews about and brews about and sometimes a few weeks or a month will go by and finally the whole thing comes out uh -huh. you know or, or other times I'm just chipping away at it a little bit little bit little bit and I'll put it down for a while and go back same thing, and they're all different. They're all different. I think the word that I think when I first started doing this interview thing, I got to interview Darden Smith, mm -hmm. and he used the word percolate because there's some, that's you know, because I'm yeah. I'm neurotic about writing everything down, but sometimes I'll, I'll just think, that's a good idea. Let me just, you know, and I'll just kind of if it's I I, I I guess I think subconsciously or not subconsciously, but if it's good, it'll it'll circle around again, you know. So I'm not obsessively writing down every little piece of of nothing. Yeah. And like, well, I don't know if you remember that, that song I sang about Watsonville and somebody still a small town. Oh yeah, yeah. That was one where I had a bunch of lyric ideas and I wrote them down and it was just and I thought, I I, I know that the, the feeling of the song I, I kind of had the melody so I just I just put it all aside and I thought it'll I'll get it together and I just kind of like let it just sit in the back of my head for I don't know probably three months and I thought it's gonna be like a just a a, a bone simple folk song probably in G so it's easy to sing along with but I kind of yeah. let it sit there. Yeah. And then, but that song Roselle about the guide dog, which, uh -huh. ends, which is really just three verses in a chorus. I spent two years on that. I came back to it and back because I read the story about the guide yeah. dog in 9/11, and and I wrote it first. First, it was a ballad, and then I tried a version where I didn't tell you it was about a guide dog. I thought it was mysterious, but nobody knew what the hell I was singing about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just kept. So that was one. I just I just had to keep beating on it and beating on it and beating yeah. on it. So I guess. I guess they're all different for you, they're too. They're all different. And yeah. I have read many songwriters talking about their pr process, and some are so disciplined that they will get up and do an hour every day of just writing, right. you know, whether it's a free write or whether it's some kind of a different discipline. And I, I, I really admire and respect that, but that's not who I am. Yeah. You know, like it goes... And I think your story is very our, our, it's very common, because the more, the more people I interview, the more I hear, you know, no, I just... I, who was that? I, actually, I read an interview with Graham Parker, a while. I'll send you the link because it's really good. And he was saying how, you know, I sit around the house. I just, I just really just want to lay on the couch and watch television. This is Graham Parker. <laughs> I just want to lay on the couch and watch. I don't want to do anything. I'm lazy. Yeah. He goes, but then a f three or four months go by and, I, and, I, and he panics because he hasn't written a song. He goes, so I'll, I'll sweat and I'll bang something out and people think I'm prolific. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, when I'm back in Florida and uh, Dana's helped me with a number of the pieces that have come out of the the prison work that I do. Yeah. I work with a group, uh, a, a non-profit group called Artspring. And mm -hmm. the woman who started it 16 years ago, Leslie Neal, who's a dancer and a choreographer, and she uses the arts as therapy for the for incarcerated women in various prisons in mm -hmm. Florida. And she's gotten her information because there's this sort of thing going across all across the country. But she's asked me to come in for the past three years. I go in and work with the women and the. The creative process that comes out of the the exercises. Hmm. You know, I mean, there's so much that I've got. I've got about four or five songs that are just that have just inspired from the stories I've heard them tell. Mm -hmm. They do they do poetry. They do um, uh, uh, verse. They do uh, just improv. They, you know, some of them do rap, but they they tell their story, mm -hmm. and their story kind of triggers stuff in me to. Um, to do some more writing because of yeah. it. Um, and there was one one song I wrote uh, that they've used in a number of their um, performances uh, came about just because mm. we had these exchanges, these dialogues. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot, I mean, it's sort of a lot of sad stuff that ends up 
fueling songs that aren't sure. necessarily sad. Right. Some of them are very, um, you know, encouraging, all about getting over, getting past something that's really finding some hope out of bad yes. situations. Yeah. yeah, and they're real. They're real. They're yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've heard Richard Schindel, who's uh, one of my favorite oh, songwriters. Yeah. He'll say, yeah, "I just made this stuff up." I, you know, he'll he'll write a song about somebody that has he's never experienced anything like it, and it's one of the most beautiful songs ever written, yeah. and so emotionally powerful. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's what I tend to do. That's I just make stuff up, and then I do a song on stage with Laurie, and I'll say, "All right, now back to reality," because she writes <laughs> yeah. about all this reality stuff, mm -hmm. and mine's almost all total fantasy or contrived ideas. <laughs> it's probably a nice mix. I read there was a John Hyatt interview I read, and all these things are triggering in these, these things that I read. And they were asking him, you know, how do you, you know, lyrics first or music first? That old cliche question. Yeah. And and he said, I didn't believe him. He said, I always write the riffs first. I always write the music, and then I just find some words to go. With. I'm like, this is John Hyatt. I, I go, I don't know if I believe that. Wow. Because his stuff isn't. I mean. It's pretty deep. It's pretty deep, yeah. and there's a friend of mine that says that he, he just admires how Hyatt can write about, you know, middle age and a 30-year marriage and making it so profound, and I'm, I'm thinking, you can't write the, the melody first for stuff like that. I don't know, maybe maybe he was talking about a certain time period, you know. But Interesting. Yeah. Well, I know that a lot of times Dan will be noodling around on the guitar, and his musical vocabulary is so advanced uh -huh. compared to mine that he's doing these things just for fun and I hear start hearing songs yeah. based on what he's doing yeah. with just um, like a guitar exercise and maybe like in Dana's case because you're so accomplished on that different instruments maybe the, maybe the lyrics just come out of the music I end up playing a lot of things over and over and over a lot yeah. of times and eventually you hear something long enough and, and a phrase starts to mm -hmm. grow out of a mm -hmm. musical passage almost yeah. That makes you almost sense. hear words in it, like they come from somewhere. They, it's like you've drawn these words down into what you're playing somehow, and they just sort of appear. It's yeah. strange. It's magic. Yeah, that's magic. For me, if I can actually like find a riff that sounds like a melody, I'm like, I got one. <laughs> 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 but in my case, I think I'm more comfortable with words, which is probably why I, do, I go that route. You go that, yeah, yeah. I um, I, I've done very little co-writing. A few, few um few songs yeah. and I know that in Dana and I have uh, a lot the most recent couple of songs that we've written have been stuff we've worked on together I mean mm -hmm. yeah you sit down and say let's write a song about Texas all right well you know that's that's not necessarily a new idea yeah but there's still untapped uh, territory mm -hmm. yeah and it's our experience as opposed to anybody else's so, so it is new it is or new. it's your perspective at least but you know when we were talking about mary gaucher yeah and yeah. i think who i just think is one of the a great mm -hmm. one of the great songwriters but she does these she has co-write you know she has appointments in nashville okay where you're going to meet with whoever you're co-writing with for mm -hmm. that day and which is kind of like the nashville sort of that's format what they do yeah and you know a lot of times you see a song and there's four or five writers on that one yeah. song. Yeah, I, Chuck McCabe and Rolf, those guys have all done that type of songwriting routine. Mm -hmm. I yeah. tried it for a little while, but I got a little frustrated out there because you start writing down some song ideas and you don't dare use a pen. They expect you to use a pencil because they're going to change it all. Oh. So you get a couple of nice lines down and they think, well, they're erasing your line and say, well, I think it'd sound better if you did this here. But wait a minute. I, I, I might so you've lost it. <laughs> I, might, I might not remember that. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they... They want to be Where's the carbon paper? You can have, yeah. Yeah, right. They, they want to erase and, and rewrite all the time and erase yeah. and rewrite. And I just, I don't work that way. I tend to just blurt something out. And mm -hmm. It either becomes music or it stays in my pad as a piece of poetry, which I'm fine with. Yeah, for me, I like to keep, and I, I, I kind of like, maybe you do this too, when I get a song that's done, sometimes I'll go back and I'll look at how many trees I burned, you know, how many drafts and how many versions uh -huh. of the, that lyric went through. Like, okay, this simple little song actually was... And I kind of like—I like to see where it came from sometimes. I know, I agree, and I—you uh, know—I mean, I remember listening to an early recording of what, what Bob Dylan song was it? Uh, it was "Tangled Up in Blue." Mm. He had done it in three, four times in one performance, or it, it was some recording. It was a bootleg. Huh. Yeah. And then he changed it to four-four, but I thought that was really interesting, and uh, you know, yeah. you wonder. And of course, I've heard. You think of him, you hear songs that he wrote 40 years ago, and you hear different um, lines that uh, 
ended up did not end up on the final recording yeah. and on the record. Or he's changed them over time because yeah. he got bored or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, which we all probably do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, I have a song where I I make a reference to MySpace, and now I'm putting in Facebook instead because Facebook didn't exist mm -hmm. when I first wrote it. Just MySpace, right. you know. So that that kind of updating thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was something I did. I think I think my cell phone song has some outdated. I'm not, not going to go back and change it. So, <laughs> speaking of the co-write thing too, I mean, I'm kind of stealing one of Steve Steve Key, our friend down south, and so it's so great. Yeah, he is some, an amazing songwriter. But yes. he, I'm stealing some of his patter, but this is Steve's story where he talks about when he went to Nashville and he he kind of you know he talks about hiding the fact that he was a folk singer because he wrote his own he wrote his own songs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he'd go after these co-writing sessions. He goes, but I like to write my own songs too, and. It kind of wasn't a thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, every so often I turn on country radio and just to hear what's happening in mainstream country music, mm -hmm. and I think it's interesting because it's so it's all business, 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 and I, 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 I admire the writers that can do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just don't think it would ever be something I could do. You know, and there's some songs right here. I swear they were written by a marketing committee. Yeah. Well, we haven't mentioned the flag yet. We haven't, and this is a cliche. We haven't mentioned church. We haven't mentioned pickup trucks. Yeah, and, and it's you have to have the verse, the pre-chorus, the chorus. Yeah, you have to have the breakdown. You have to have the bridge, the two-line bridge. And, yes, yeah. and it's just that's for so formulaic. And then you think, imagine being forced to write within that formula. Yeah, I, I mean that would be an exercise. I don't think I'd really want to do it. But. Yeah. So we do ours and we do. You know, we do ours. You want to play something for us while we're? Do you sure. feel like it? Yeah, I can do that. I'm going to get the guitar out with new strings on it. It's the one we want. Oh, cool. We'll talk about that too. Because our schedule wouldn't allow it, but this year um, we plan to go, mm -hmm. and uh, we heard there was a, a songwriting competition. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to enter into it mm -hmm. um, because the prize is a new guitar. Yeah. And so it was actually, they had first, second, and third, and mm -hmm. we came in first, and, um, Congrats. and yeah. that was pretty neat. Um, and so you get to pick your guitar from the, uh, from the ones they have there that are at a certain level. Yeah, you know, yeah. You're not going to get that $6,000 free mm -hmm. love, but this, a free guitar is pretty great. Yeah. You know, and when we plugged this in, it did sound, it sounded amazing. So nice electronics, too. Yeah. Um, so, what should we do? You want to do, you're not going to do anything? Um, it's your day off, you can chill. You can chill. <laughs> I've actually got a sore hand, I'm kind of letting it heal up. I'm not Good idea. Much. Pulled something in there and I just can't really make a chord right now. Oh, yeah. Rest that thing for tomorrow. I've got to rest it up. I'm putting emu oil on there. That's what that little bottle is right there. Mm -hmm. Emu oil sinks in and kind of helps it this in, in um, open D for me real quick. Um, playing with Dane is a blessing. You know? I'll bet. Well, the blessing is that he has relative perfect pitch. Mm -hmm. So he hears stuff and he can do mm -hmm. in a second what takes me, me with my tuner. The curse is he has relative perfect pitch. <laughs> so it's close. Song, um, so I couldn't get him drop D that fast accurately. <laughs> I'll do um, a song from a, a few years back. Okay. I don't think you've ever heard the best Hamlet. No. And this is from my New York City days. Oh, perfect. Um, and the reference to best Hamlet was in Shakespeare, when you get to a point where you're playing. Hamlet, usually mm -hmm. for mostly for men, but every mm -hmm. so often a woman tackles that role. It's a real milestone. I didn't know that. Able to do yeah. Hamlet because it's considered well, yeah, 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 very much might be one of the most difficult mm -hmm. roles to play. So consequently, I saw a lot of really bad Hamlet. <laughs> but this person was one of the. He was the best. So. I like that. Shakespeare. You 
I took your voice class. I took your scene class. I learned motivation. You taught me subtext. How best to read scripts. I gained concentration. That's a great song. Thanks. Yeah. And a great sounding guitar. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, present. present. Very cool. Nice hanging out. We'll see you tomorrow night. That, oh, good. We're going to try and make it. Oh, good. We're going to try really hard to make it. So. That'd be good. Yeah. And, um, we'll try to make it too. Yeah. <laughs> hope your hand makes it tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. We're both of us. You know, when I played five days in a row, yeah. on the fifth day, it was just not working. I'll bet. Yeah, the first three months. The first two months, you don't feel too much. After about the third month, it starts taking its toll on yeah. your fingers and hands and all the other oh, maintenance items that we yeah. do. Well, with me doing this all day, I'm a, I wear braces at night yeah. just because I've had I, I've checked. I don't have carpal tunnel. I just have some strain here, so I just wear braces at night. It keeps it straight and it feels yeah, fine. So. Yeah. But there's yeah. no damage yet. So yeah. Well, do you find? I mean, I try to do warm-up exercises and stuff. I should I've and I don't. Done, you know, to, and I remember watching. I a, it was a Taylor workshop, and Doyle Gadikes was there, mm -hmm. the master, you know, finger style guitarist. Yeah. And he was talking about all these things he does to mm. stretch out his hands and keep them limber and, you know, 
all this little, and I keep, I try to remember those. I said, okay, that might help. But yeah. sometimes my hands are so stiff mm -hmm. that I just don't feel Somebody like. Somebody should run his hands through a meat grinder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not right. fair. It's not fair. Yeah, <laughs> it's I know. Fair. <laughs> and then, you know, away from that, when you come out next year, let us know in advance and we'll see what we can, oh, how great. we can help, you know. Well, thanks. Thanks yeah. a lot. Um, yeah, we'll be here for about, I don't know, a week and a half more. Mm -hmm. um, I know we're at the Davenport Roadhouse on Saturday, but that thing, the benefit for the Bucket Brigade mm -hmm. is on the 7th, if anyone is local. Okay. Listens and it's uh, in Pacifica okay. at a nursery. And I don't know much more about it, but Jay Howlett knows. I'll all have about Jay. It. This is going to actually. I'm, I kind of got a backward, but I wanted to talk to you guys. Well, this this will, this is a ways off. Is actually airing of this, but oh, okay. but I know people. I'll, I'll spread word. I'll get the information from Jay and email yeah. it out. So that there's going to be a number of different people there and poets there, and all proceeds are going to go help the uh, Bucket Brigade in Louisiana. So oh, good. I thought that was a good thing to be a part of. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, and thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for doing this yeah, and um, supporting singer-songwriters all across the country. I think we should. Yeah, I think we should. Yeah. we got to all work together. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, Lori Jennings and Dana Keller, better known as Jennings and Keller, with a nice long chat about music, the business, a really nice, I think, interesting conversation about songwriting and where songs come from and where you hope they come from if they don't for a while. And also that episode obviously included a nice live version of the best Hamlet off their first release called Susan's House. You can find them at JenningsandKeller.com, and you can find them back here on the West Coast, hopefully this summer. You too. Don't be strangers. I know you're coming out, I think, in June or something like that, but uh, we'll, we'll see you out here. and We're looking forward to it again and playing some more. If you're back east, I know they travel up and down the East Coast a little bit, so check out their website and see where they're going to come to a city near you somehow someday sometime soon uh like i mentioned before we're coming up on episode 100 of songs and stories and that is going to be an interview with mary gauchet i got to talk to one of my favorite songwriters last summer when she was through town and that became a really nice long conversation on songwriting with the one and only mary gauchet that'll be coming up on episode 100 of songs and stories uh probably in the next few weeks or so in the meantime, you can check out JenningsandKeller.com. You can also go to MichaelGaither.com and look for the, the section on Songs and Stories 99 to little, learn a little more about Jennings and Keller. And while you're there, like I say, I'm in the process of redoing my website. So there's a search box, there's a podcast archive page, and the whole thing is just a whole lot cleaner. So you know how computers work. You spend hundreds of hours updating something so you can save a little time on the back end. That's what I've been doing. So uh, once again, however you found me, whether you found us on my website and iTunes, if you're listening on Casey Cafe Radio or Grateful Dread Radio, we really appreciate your time and thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither. Thanks again. Take care. <laughs>